Welcome to The Workplace, a podcast by Cal Chamber. I'm Erica Frank, Cal Chamber's Executive Vice President and General Counsel. And back on the podcast today is my colleague, Matthew Roberts, an employment law expert and one of Cal Chamber's subject matter experts. Welcome back to the podcast, Matt. Hi, Erica. Good to be here. So I have really good news for you, and that is we are not going to be talking about COVID today. That is so wonderful. I hope that's good news for our listeners out there as well. I know it's kind of shocking, but what we are talking about is how the workplace has evolved over the last year and a half as it relates to the use of technology. And as we've seen zooming, I I made it kind of a a verb. I think it is a verb. I'm zooming, but, um, you know, having a presence in somebody's personal space, whether that be their home office, their Um, family room, their dining room, their bedroom. We've become very accustomed to video conferencing and using technology platforms to continue doing what we otherwise would be doing in person at a workspace or in a conference room, whatever the case may be. So of course, video technology and hiring, while not new, uh, definitely became more of the new norm as we've been working our way through this last year and a half. And Following the release of a recent survey that found video chat proficiency to be one of the most in-demand job skills right now, social media platform TikTok launched the TikTok Resumes pilot program, um, which actually lets users respond to job offers with a short video instead of a traditional resume. And as legal beagles, as you and I are legal beagles, and we can't help but go to the dark side every time we see something is like, how can somebody get sued? I mean, to me, I thought, oh gosh, this seems like such a cool idea, but there's so many things that could go wrong. So I thought it would be great for us just to talk a little bit about use of video technology, not just in the hiring, but also in our everyday lives as we're still moving through the remote work life, which probably will be here for a while. Um, And we could just quickly address some of those issues. How's that sound? That sounds great, Erica. Let's get into it. All right. So let's just hit it right out, throw out the fastball. What are some of the issues that come to mind when we think of a company using a video resume to screen candidates? Yeah, I mean, for for me, what immediately comes to mind is, um, you know, our Fair Employment and Housing Act, our anti-discrimination rules and the regulations that follow from that, um, especially recently because um, the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, which oversees that law, um, has really been focusing on um, application processes and things that are unfairly screening out applicants. We've recently had updates to regulations regarding age discrimination, religious creed discrimination, you know, the ban the box law and criminal history background check stuff um, that we can't have on an application anymore. These are all the kinds of things that the state is moving towards to prevent discrimination in the screening process. And of course, with, with resumes and traditional resumes, um, we just have a piece of paper in front of us. It has some skills. Um, we may get a name and an address and things like that, but we don't know who this person is in most cases when we get this traditional resume. That changes drastically with these TikTok uh, video resumes because we see exactly who this person is as we're considering whether we want to move them through the recruitment process. And I think for me, Erica, and it's probably the case with you as well, is it's the timing of it that really concerns me. We don't know who this person is because we haven't had a chance to talk to them, but we can see them. We can see how old they might be. We can see what uh, gender and ethnicity, race um, may be an issue. 
Um, and depending on where the video resume is filmed, um, you know, if it's in their home, we can see some other things that may give rise to protected class issues. For example, um, they may have a pride flag up on the wall and that gives rise to sexual orientation or associational discrimination issues. So for me, really, it's it's the timing of it. It's that, you know, we're getting a lot of protected class information at a stage we don't normally get it with resumes. 100%. If you think about it, you know, like you said, sometimes the resumes, at least they did a, a few years back, I might be dating myself. For a while, uh, we saw photographs of the applicant on the resumes. And we were talking about similar things like, you know, you really are just looking at the resume. At that point, generally in the recruiting process, you're looking at what the words on a paper, not necessarily what the person looks like. And of course, we've all talked about and we've heard about unconscious bias and what that plays into our decision-making. And it always um, is one of those things where we have to remind ourselves that we're looking at the skills and whether or not the person can perform the job. And you hit it really perfectly um, as far as those videos. It's opening, it's allowing us to see more than we normally would. Um, and when you don't have the benefit of asking questions and talking to that person to, you know, maybe maybe you're wondering something, of course, that's not protected. You're not wondering if they have any children or if they're married, but you're just trying to discern their ability to uh, perform the skills. You can't ask those questions. So all you end up doing as humans is making assumptions. And so I can see this becoming very problematic if we're going to continue to move forward in this manner of interviewing. Now, of course, we know there's, you know, Zoom, Zoom has been used as a platform for hiring and for interviewing. But even then, to your point, uh, we have the Fair Employment and Housing Act, and if we have children that are running across behind the camera, um, or you know, an elderly family member, you know, we don't see those when we're interviewing in our offices, and so those personal aspects of one's life are not brought to light, and they shouldn't be. But here we have them, you know, making themselves um, seen. And that always oftentimes will, could create some, some problems if the hiring individual is keeping that in the back of their mind. Now we know, again, we're not hiring based on familial status. We're not hiring based on the number of children or, or any of that. But sometimes it's, it's uh, once that comes out, uh, sometimes by, based on human nature, it's hard to ignore it. Right, Eric. And I think, you know, going to the bigger picture of what that survey said about um, you know, video chatting and, and video conferencing being a skill that's desired in here, um, you know, gives you an idea of how you can use this, right? We're allowed to use skill tests, you know, in the recruitment process after we've gotten to know them and we want to advance them into the recruitment process through the traditional means of resume, interview. Okay, now show me that you're proficient with video conferencing after we've gone, you know, through this recruitment step. So we can always have people using this technology in a way that kind of insulates us from the protected class issue once we've progressed farther down the line. So we can have them record some kind of video chat or something like that as part of a skills test once we've gotten a chance to get to know them and ask those questions to establish their, their qualifications for the job. Um, it, it really is just boils down again to that, that timing thing. Um, that I think is just a big concern uh, for me if we're using this as the first impression we get of an applicant. And I like what you just said as far as timing and the tools that are available to assess proficiency, because part of the assessment is to find ways to improve. Um, and that brings to mind 
just the use of video technology in the workplace beyond hiring once we have an employee. And one of the things that I always think about is when we, and even though I promised we weren't going to talk about COVID, but when we all first adapted to this new workspace, which is our home, we all did what we could, you know, we made do for some of us, you know, we were used to phone conferencing and now we had to figure out how to use zoom. What is zoom? I didn't know my computer even had a, a, a camera on it. And we just did what we could to survive. Now that we're well past that and many employers are making decisions to continue maintaining remote work environments, we have to make sure our employees are able and equipped to do their job remotely. So that could mean for those individuals who were not digital natives, and I purposely use that term because it is in the Department of Fair Employment and Housing's age discrimination regulations. They are very keen and aware of the fact that we do have an aging population that's still working. Um, that it's not okay to say, well, he just, you know, he's old. He doesn't know how to work Zoom. Or, you know, you know, Matt, he's totally old school and, you know, he never can get his computer to work. That's not sufficient, you know, it's really incumbent on the employer to ensure that they're saying, okay, well, what do we need to do? Do we need to give him some classes? Are we sure that he has a computer that has the most up-to-date, you know, updates so he can do his job or she can do his job? Uh, because if we don't, that could potentially open the door for some age discrimination problems. Are there other things that come to mind, uh, Matt, as we're moving into this more video-focused uh, workplace platform? Yeah, um, you know, the biggest thing I, I like to remind um, everybody out there about is, you know, our workplace or what's defined as our workplace has really dramatically changed, um, but it does still mean the same thing. It's our workplace. And so what I mean by that is a lot of our employees have been working from home or are working from home or going to continue to work from home into the future on some basis. And it's just fact that, you know, we dress differently, we behave differently when we're in the comforts of our own home versus when we are in the office or in the workplace doing our work. Um, but issues such as, you know, workplace harassment and discrimination and those things can arise from things like Zoom and, and video platforms um, where things are being seen or things are being said on those proverbial hot mics or, you know, the news reports are full of situations where people were caught doing things they shouldn't have been doing or they wouldn't have been doing at a physical workplace, but they're doing it at home because they just forget where they are. Um, but these are situations that employers need to continue to monitor because, you know, harassing behavior that occurs over Zoom, even though it's in people's homes, if it gets to another person in the workplace and they're uncomfortable and offended by it, it's something that we have to address. And so it's always important just to remind everybody when we're using electronic resources like this that, hey, all of the traditional workplace rules still apply. Thank you. And I think that's a great reminder because as exciting as advancements in technology is, and it's, it is exciting and it's fun and we're able to, to do our jobs in situations and in places that were never imagined, you know, 10, 20 years ago. But it's also fun to the extent that we have to change, but we have to also keep in mind what those general rules and practices are with respect to workplace conduct. So I think that was a great place to end today's podcast. And I appreciate you joining me again, Matt. No, it's always a pleasure, Erica. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us on The Workplace. Please comment, share, and subscribe to Cal Chambers Podcast by visiting calchamber.com.